I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds Got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the Red Room. Let me ask you a couple, two, two, two things. One, when you ran your show, like, what did you, what did you learn on your way up that you did differently? And number two, I want to talk about, I, I'm sure you can't give it all away what it is you are doing now, but a lot of things that we talked about are not even in the genre that you're known for writing. You know what I mean? Do you want, yeah, don't so, talk so, about that. I'll yeah, talk about okay, anything, okay. man. Um, as far as the first thing you said about, you know, how I did things when I was running, I was really, really blessed, uh, for both instances. So I talked earlier about Danny Jacobson, Mm -hmm. who I worked for. And then I also, one of my first mentors, showrunners was a man named Bernie Ornstein. Bernie Ornstein, uh, was part of a comedy writing team. Ornstein and Turtletop. The oh, director, yeah. John Turtletop, mm-hmm. it's his father, Saul. Okay. So Saul and Bernie, they ran and created shows like Sanford and Son, yes. The Monkeys, mm-hmm. That Girl, What's Happening, What's Happening now. again, or, <laughs> yes. you know, Rerun, Goes to Washington, <laughs> whatever the fuck it was, and Kate Valley, and all oh, yeah. these amazing classics. shows, mm-hmm. classics. Mm-hmm. And Bernie was one of my first bosses. Okay. And he was the kindest, most inclusive person I ever met in my life. And whether he was like that to everybody, I'd like to believe, or whether he just saw something special in me and wanted to mentor me, well, I'd like to believe that too. And and I just want to keep it up, but I just want to say this. Here's one thing I like about you, Mark. I get a sense you were taught by people like that because you were like that. You know what I mean? You immediately have a great spirit. You're not jaded. You don't have an ego. Like most people who've already run shows, you know, have this, I'm better than you. I understand you're just a baby writer. Like they come across like that. You don't give that up. And I thank you for that sincere compliment. I've also been in situations, unfortunately, where I haven't been my best self too. There's always moments. Because there's no way you can do this, Mm -hmm. you know, for an extended period of time. and only have people like Bernie. And so you end up in situations where sometimes, you know, it's, it's like it's the culture of whatever it is you're dealing with. Sometimes exactly. It's your environment. It's also, it's the same in your personal life, right. whatever your significant other is, mm-hmm. you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband, whatever, mm-hmm. you start taking on traits of the sure. people you're in the trenches with. Yeah. So sometimes it hasn't always been great, but Bernie, I've never forgot. Mm-hmm. So, I knew a lot of what not to do from Danny, although again, Danny's a genius. Mm-hmm. Let me be very clear, he's a genius. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he socially he had his things and mm-hmm. whatever. So I knew ways not to administer. And then from Bernie, I knew that you had to be 
if you had a room of 14 people, we had big rooms back then yeah, now yeah. with all the screaming <laughs> yeah, rooms of six and mm-hmm. eight, whatever. We had 14, 16, mm-hmm. 12, whatever. Be inclusive of everybody. Uh, be available for everybody to hear their shit outside mm-hmm. of work, you know, because they look at you as this adult. Mm-hmm. So even if I was, you know, I must have been in my late 30s when I was running boy mm-hmm. but so my baby writers still look at me as this adult right. you know now I'm 59 I think I'm really an adult well, now they probably look at me as oh you remind me of my grandpa can I talk to you <laughs> so be available to their personal life yeah. and so those are some of the things that I learned and I also so many showrunners that I was around um, set this this this, this battlefield mm-hmm. of here I am with my writers mm-hmm. And then there's the executives, there's the network, studio executives, network executives, sometimes even the cast. Mm. And I've seen, I've been on sets with showrunners that'll be at a run-through and they won't say boo to their cast and then give them notes. Mm. And so I always went, no, man, these, I need for all of us to succeed. These Mm -hmm. guys, and especially in my world, I'm dealing with a lot of inexperienced kids. You know, it's not like, you know, and Asner just walked because I, I worked with him and he mm-hmm. popped into my head. He walks on set, you know you're going to get gold. Right, I mean, this is, right, for sure. you know, Lou Grant for those <laughs> Anyway, so I knew I wanted to be close to these kids mm-hmm. and because they're, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. They're kids and they're going to, you know, it's like I coach my kids in sports mm-hmm. and, you know, so I was around my kids, baseball, all that. The first thing a kid does on the field when they do something bad, mm-hmm. or when they do something good, they look up into the stands at their mm-hmm. parents. First, first thing they do, yes. I did, I did um, good, hot pops, yes. or fucked up pops, are yeah. you mad? And, 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 you know, and so it's the same with the cast. Mm-hmm. It's the same even with the adults in the cast. That's a really good way to look at it. I like you that. know, yeah. they, they do a scene and run through, and they come to you. Right. Like bees on honey, they mm-hmm. follow you to the next set, mm-hmm. and they want that that feedback, that mm-hmm. instant, you know, feedback. How did I do? Did I do okay? You know, mm-hmm. I made this choice, and so one of my things that I'm still, you know, I, I pride myself on it, and you know, I've also been blessed. I directed a kids' film, so I was. I love working with kid actors. Mm-hmm. I just love it because too many too many people don't take it as a responsibility they just hear the words do it and 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 to his credit uh, michael jacobs who i've worked with for about 12 years he created boy meets world and girl meets world and i did some other shows with him in between he was uh one of the youngest produced uh writers on broadway at the age of 21 or 22 he was produced on broadway a play called cheaters Hmm. And Michael was a theater guy, so I watched Michael, and he was great with the cast. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I approached running my show. I, I wanted to make sure my door was open to every writer mm-hmm. after hours. I wanted to make sure that every member that learned their names, man, learned yes. their fucking names, learned their names. And it's, that's a big one for it's you can't fucking <laughs> hard as yes. we get older. Yes. I just call, you know, you know. There's some guys that, you know, they I don't do it, but there's some guys that they. they how you doing, buddy? 
You don't know oh, my yeah. fucking name. Right? Oh, yeah. That's my thing, You don't know, pal. You don't know my <laughs> name, right? <laughs> you just learn fucking names. And, and you know, I'll always go to set for a run-through or a rehearsal or mm-hmm. whatever five, ten minutes early so I could pop my head in, let's say, wardrobe. Yeah. Everything good? You getting everything you right. need from our line producer? You got it? Just yeah. accessibility yeah. is everything. Well, you yeah. see, the thing is about, this is what <clears throat> I've learned from going to set. And the whole thing is, is that I think your analogy about the kid in the stands looking for at the parents who are improving is so critical because everybody knows how to do the job. They are a professional, but they don't know how to do the job yet to satisfy you for what you want right now. And it's up to you to give them that feedback because once they because one, it helps you too because once you guys can get on the same frequency, then you don't need to give as much yeah. feedback. But 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 you would tell them. Awesome, awesome, yeah. and you know, and you'll, you'll see the results on, results on, on, on screen. You know, and those, those people know if you're sincere or not. I mean, obviously, the thing with the names is like, you know, I tell people, <laughs> it's, it's, it's big for me, and I tell people all the time, I go, hey man, if you might be single third day, it's like, dude, I you just tell me your name again, tell me, I just want to know because I'd rather say know, that exactly. People, tell me your name, yeah, they don't mind, they know. I had to meet 80 people in two days, in yeah. one day, I can't remember what's name, nobody do that. But as long as you're making the effort and being sincere, that's what they want. They, they want you to be sincere at every point. It's interesting that you bring up the thing about the kids and the responsibility to give them something because they have to kind of like, it's, it's a different game for a kid actor than it is for an adult actor. I mean, and it's just in terms of how they process it and, and how you as an adult approach them and give them the type of... Uh, support they need to go forward. And, and Chris, you know, the, you, this is a great segue probably to mm-hmm. the bulk of my career because, you know, I mean, I worked with Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, mm-hmm. you know, Jaleel White, mm-hmm. um, all the Boy Meets World kids, um, you know, Anna Sophia Rob. I mean, I the bulk of my career is... And, you know, being on the set, and, and uh, the show I ran was a show called So Little Time with Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen mm-hmm. when about 16. And now... So I, I got hired, I think, after about eight or ten episodes. They weren't happy with the showrunner. They brought me on to take over the show and kind of change its direction, this and that, and the next thing. But now my responsibility is not just a kid actor who just, you know, mm-hmm. moved into the Oakwood with his mom from, right, you right, know, right, from right. Iowa. These are seasoned kids. <laughs> these are not only seasoned kids. These are right. seasoned kids that have been doing this their whole life right. and have a really fucked up home mm, life and right. real life and all right. they know is the camera mm-hmm. and you gotta so, be a therapist too so. oh, beyond, I mean like literally I think like the, the, we had a run through schedule the network run through schedule mm-hmm. the day they turned 16 it was, mm-hmm. a, it was a Thursday and the show was on Fox Family at the time they were known as Fox Family and you know all the chairs are set up on stage waiting for run through mm-hmm. to begin I'm sitting there I got the network next to me 3 o'clock no girls. <laughs> Three oh five. No girls. Uh, Network starting to go. Mark, what's up? You know they're on a tight schedule. Right. They run to their next run through. <laughs> Three fifteen. I see the AD on the phone, hmm. and I see him shaking his head. Oh boy! And I go. Where's Steve? He comes over and whispers in my ear. Uh, my reaction was what you would expect. Hmm. Let me tell you what he told me. I went. You're fucking kidding me. <laughs> and the network goes, What? Where are the girls? What happened to the girls? I go, oh, well, it's their birthday today. They turned 16. And 
They're shopping for their jets. Wow. What? So somebody took them shopping for their jets and they had not made it back for lunch. Wow. Wow. So this is where positive reinforcement of good job doesn't really work. (laughs) They ain't at the mall, bitch. Lear Jets. Lear Jets. This is big time. This is big time. This this ain't Chump Chump. So this this is is now as a young showrunner where you're going, am I in over my head? (laughs) What the fuck? And also, another Olsen twin story, and by the way, lovely girls, Mm -hmm. and I have so much empathy for them having grown up in front of a camera. I Mm -hmm. mean, they were, you know, a year old, months old, Mm -hmm. on Full House, and and their home life, their personal life was not without trials and tribulations, you know, parents and splitting up and nannies and this and that and the next, and nothing out of school, Mm -hmm. I I don't think. Um, It's all documented. But anyway... um, I get called. They had this manager named Robert Thorne, who was uh, a, a mad scientist genius. Hmm. You look at him and you go, okay, there's something wrong with him because he's socially <laughs> just inept. And he, 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 he lost all his hair, but for some reason he kept a, a round strip of hair oh, no. circling the <laughs> circumference of his head. <laughs> I, I don't know if he was going for a <laughs> Jesus Thorne thing or I don't know what he did, but he just had a strip. But anyway, so one day we were shooting at Universal. I I knew this was a bad idea, this whole job in the first place, because uh, three days after, or I don't know, three weeks or something, shortly after getting hired, uh, 9-11 happened. And so we couldn't even, for a week, couldn't get on the lot at Universal. You had to go rehearse at Sportsman's Lodge. Mm-hmm. I mean, they wouldn't let anybody on the lot because somehow yeah, they thought, really you know, Al-Qaeda was coming after, you know, studios. Mm-hmm. But they, we weren't on their fucking radar. They, mm-hmm. they like our shows. Olsen Twins, that's our greatest fucking resource in the Middle East. <laughs> but anyway, so um, I get a call and, and he's in Beverly Hills. I'm at Universal and um, I'm told Robert Thorne wants you to go to his office right now. And I go, I, I can't. I got fucking rehearsals. I'm here. This is universal. It's four o'clock. By the time I get there, it'd take me two hours to get mm-hmm. there. Two hours. I'm not fucking going. And she goes, No, I heard you're going. Ooh. And I go, This is my assistant thought, No, you're going. So I go and I I get as I walk into his office, he's already like this, arms folded, and looking at me, shaking his head. Mm. And I'm like, what? Like inside my head is what? But to him, I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He goes, Mary Kate has an eating disorder. Uh, and it's your fault. Blood. What? It's your fault. And I go, how is it my fault? She can't find crafty. It's not on me. It's there. There's food out there all fucking day long. Why is it? There's too much tension. And it's your fault. You're the executive producer. I go, is it possible hmm. that maybe, because like her mom was institutionalized <laughs> a month ago, and her right. dad and nanny, mm-hmm. is it maybe that's mm-hmm. the reason, not the fucking showrunner? Right. You know, and I was shocked that somehow it's like, who do we blame? Who do we blame? Mary Kate, this poor 16-year-old hmm. girl. Who again? I adore the girls, and I adore that they mm-hmm. are successful now. They have their fashion line, billion dollar billion. They, they were during the time I was with them. They were a billion dollar brand. I mean, Walmart was filled with their stuff, yeah. 
and, and I'm thinking there's a list of, I don't know, at least 643 reasons why she's struggling <laughs> exactly. before we get the showrunner. Yes. But it was so bizarre mm. that this is our business. Who can fall guy for this shit? Lutman. The creative, neurotic, Jewish writer from Canada. It's his fault. Get in. Get him. Get him. Because he... Crucified. He avoids yeah, conflict. See, that was my personality. I avoid conflict. Mm-hmm. Like in my marriage. I knew for two years, like the last two years, right. that she was just getting up the courage mm-hmm. to say this is over. Two years I knew, but I didn't want to act. Mm-hmm. We're good, right? What a happy... We're, we're good, right? I'll just stay at work all day. So he knew. <laughs> He's easy. Mm-hmm. He puts the words on the page. But mm-hmm. here's, a, here's a funnier, happier... Can I tell one no, more? Please. Also, twin, also twin story. We can go until you need to go. I'm so, good. This yes. is a blast. This yes. is so chill. As you said, it would yeah. be. Um, by the way, I was asked, in the around the time I was working with Mary Kay Nash, I was asked, uh, the, I was with CA at the time, they asked mm-hmm. me to write a book on behind the scenes of all these kids. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, no way. But it will, the stories That would have been a hit, though. It would have been amazing. But a lot of it, when I write the book, Welcome to Hollywood and the Dream You Feel, okay, I'm going to do a lot yeah, of it. But this one, so I'm taking over the show. Mm-hmm. As I told you, it's called So Little Time. And it was a very kind of vanilla, multi-camp sitcom. Mm-hmm. Just like, here's here's how there's an Olsen twin, the show ran. The most important notes to listen to, not the studio, not, not the network. I would have to also sit down with, uh, her name was Julie Zimmerman, I believe. Hmm. She was their stylist. Their stylist? Their stylist, the most important notes were from her. What? And both he, here, because they were such a big brand and their clothes were everywhere, I'd get notes like, Mark, the episode takes place over three days. Can you stretch it out to six days? We have some new clothes we what? So those were the notes. What kind I of note is it? Because they more clothes, more wow. clothes, more clothes, more clothes, more changes. Exactly, more, more changes, more wow. clothes. So that was very important <clears throat> notes. But anyway, so it was a very soft, vanilla, mm-hmm. multi-camp show, and and they were just cutesy on it. And mm-hmm. so one of the things you know I wanted to do, and one of the things that I take pride in, although I write a lot of kids shows, is and I learned this from you know Michael Jacobs, and again mm-hmm. you know. There's, He's a genius in so many ways. Um, also, you know, insane in so many ways. <laughs> but um, that we don't have to talk down to kids. Right. You know, we can challenge the audience. The audience is years ahead of their actual mm-hmm. age. I mean, my kids were watching, you know, Family Guy and Simpsons and mm-hmm. all that shit, you know, before they understood half the stuff. Right. But they knew it was funny. Mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't know why exactly. But anyway... So I said, I'm, you know, I learned never write down to kids and then challenge them. And when it's time, write an Asperger episode. Or, you know, Boy Meets World, man, in the 90s. We wrote an episode in the 90s. And I'm so proud of it. And we still, to this day, because Boy Meets World still airs in mm-hmm. reruns all over the world, we still get, uh, now we're reached on social media. Before it used to literally be a knock at the door. Hey, can I talk to you? <laughs> now, and, and so we, we did an episode in the 90s where... Uh, uh, Ben, Corey Matthews, mm-hmm. uh, played by Ben Savage, uh, discovers that his buddy, Sean Hunter, played by Roger Strong, at the trailer where he lived, this girl comes to the door. And he's like, oh, they were 16 around at the mm-hmm. time. He's like, oh my gosh, you know, buddy, my buddy mm-hmm. hooking up. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And we come to find out he's protecting her 
from her father who mm. beats her at night. He comes home drunk and beats her. Mm-hmm. And we did this whole episode of what do you do? Do you go to the cops? No, because they don't believe a kid, whatever, but you have to, but this, that. And we did this whole... So that's the kind of stuff I, I love doing. So when I, I sat down with the Olsons, you know, I met them because ultimately they had the final word of whether I come to gig or not. So mm. that's a story unto itself. You're looking at these two little fashion forward 16 year olds going so yeah, like, you know, <laughs> next, bring us the next erotic exactly. Jew you know it was like oh man and so but anyway I I said to them I said I'm going to challenge you guys you guys to this point in your career you've been on camera you know most of your lives but it's the cutesy girls and the clothes I said I believe you guys can act mm-hmm. and I'm going to challenge you I'm going to write material we're going to give you guys you know I'm going to give one of you a boyfriend and we're going to arc towards a breakup and there's going to be tears because it's your first love and I want to really really challenge you and I said my goal is that you're going to get nominated for an Emmy hmm. boy what a ballsy thing to say right, right? to an Olsen mm-hmm. twin yeah. but anyway months go by the show starts airing so, and, and they were submitted and we get the announcement Mary Kate, because I gave her the scenes with the boyfriend, yeah. all the breakups, all the heart, heartfelt stuff. She got nominated for best performance in children's programming. Hmm. Wow. So I was like, huh? I did what I said I was going to do. I delivered. <laughs> wait for it. Anyway, yeah, you, guys, you guys have done these a lot. You know there's always a wait for it. So uh, she uh, went to the Emmys, all mm-hmm. excited. She can Kate, you know, Ashley was not happy, but eventually, you know, it was supportive of her sister mm-hmm. and the night of the Emmys, and it was a big deal, and they looked beautiful, and uh, unfortunately, uh, she lost. Okay. She lost to Elmo. Really? <laughs> <laughs> she lost, she Elmo. lost to Elmo. She <laughs> lost the Emmy to a fucking red wow. puppet, to a red sock. Wow. So that was, was like, a hit show, though. Again, it's just <laughs> putting... You know, these categories where you shove things. Yes. And so she wow. was like, can you imagine you're sitting there and you know how they do the shots yeah. of the nominees? Mm-hmm. So, Mary Kay! And then, <laughs> Elmo! <laughs> so you just, that's like right out of, that's an SNL sketch. Because there's no puppet there. No. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So anyway, so that was, uh, that was my experience, you know, working... With, with them and that's they that's the, so you just did how many seasons one well we did a season and a half or so, but guess who cancelled the show they did. they did they did they got the silence that's awesome we don't like what's coming out this season no they did hmm. they said we were a huge rating success people loved it and they said we don't want to do it anymore they just went we're done you know we got a billion or two we good literally but you know what <laughs> to their credit I mean on the neg you know, they send a lot of crew and other cast members scrambling who don't have Olsen money. Yeah. But they were starting to get older and to realize we don't want to keep being, you know, prostituted or mm. taken advantage or whatever. I know it's a, re- it's a really tough statement to make because... Well, it's like the Miley Cyrus thing, you know, like she wanted to be seen as a woman. Yeah. Even though she was- I think this is because, they're, because Elizabeth is younger than uh, yeah, and she's really good. I know, she's really good, but I think it's because she didn't have the career as the child. I mean, right. She came on as kind of like as an adult, yeah. adult actress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's in you know great movies and yeah. all kind of stuff. And she did a 
different career. I don't. She doesn't. I, I can see where they, the, the older two, the twins, feel they've been exploited. And, and you know, because again, on Full House, they're they're little tiny babies. The two of them playing one character, and mm-hmm. it's like dirty diaper. Okay, give me her. Here's the other one. I mean, it's literally yeah, there, yeah. Is, there is this, there is yeah. without saying it's. I mean, it's not child trafficking, but it's child something. No, it's, yeah. it's, That's a good point. It's something, and yeah. so. However, they grew up, man. Oh man, I'm empathetic, mm. sympathetic. And, See, and, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, people go what about the money, but you know, I mean, like, but people always say, if you have all the money, if you can't sleep at night, you got to take drugs and sleep because you're right. so unhappy. If you're not feeding yourself, feeding yourself. <laughs> right. right? If you can't have a, you can't have a relationship outside. You know, I mean, you know, the, the, what's going on? The, the money. Yeah. The, the money can't buy human connection. No, and that was something that was void. I mean, they were getting their human connection, you know, as they got older from the adults on the set, like Stamos and Saget, Coulier, and then I tried to, you know, give them as much as possible, and then, but then you walk in their dressing room and you see all the other talent dressing rooms and you walk in theirs and it's all fucking Laura Ashley Dowd and, you know, all these canopies. They just... You know, it's, it's a different world, man. Mm-hmm. But that was one of the cool things, you know, to throw props to these kids that I adore and love, the, the, the Boy Meets World, Girl Meets World mm-hmm. cast. And, and they we, we got really blessed with them because their families were right on it. They were great, great families. And, and therefore, these kids, could, you know, both the Savage kids, Fred Savage mm-hmm. and Ben, they both, at 18, pieced out and went to Stanford. Right. Yeah. Was it, you know, I mean, big was, director now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great guys. Yeah. Really about the the, the 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 responsibility of being of working with virtual actors. You know, I was listening to this the Steve Spielberg thing talk about um, you know when he did Close Encounters. Yeah, he worked with Francois Truffaut, mm-hmm. and then Truffaut got got big from doing Truffaut the Blood. Truffaut was the one who told, there's, there's a little scene where, with, with uh, Richard Dreyfuss' child in, in Prison College. Okay. Truffaut was the one who told him, he was like, you're really good with kids, you should do a movie about kids. Yeah. And that became E.T. Because he was like, there's a special kind of person who can, who can, who can manage the business of making entertainment and what's going on with children. So to that, and I, I love that you said that because it's so true, and I've had conversations with execs hmm. at the kids' networks at Disney, and I basically said, I'll paraphrase now because I don't talk to them this way, mm-hmm. but I'll say things like, the fuck you doing? Like being a credit snob for the showrunners you're hiring? Hmm. You think they want to fucking do the show you're hiring? It's a job to them. They're not passionate about working with kids, and it's going to fucking show on the screen. Mm. Don't hire them because they once wrote on fucking Cheers. <laughs> they don't want to be here. They don't want to do this show. They just can't get another job. And you think, you know, you can go to your boss. Look who I got. Yeah. I got the fucking EPs from Cheers. Right. They did Cheers. We got them. Right. Well, you got them because they're available. Mm-hmm. And they don't really know how to work with kids they don't have the passion suss out who those people are mm-hmm. like Spielberg was you know Truffaut said to him suss out people people like me or Michael Jacobs or whoever mm-hmm. that, that actually look at it as a responsibility mm-hmm. and they have a passion for it 
and it's not just a factory kid show. It's not just let's assembly line and get mm-hmm. it the fuck out and get it to market. Because there are people that love what they do. I fell into, and it's funny, we're going to get back to it, dude. I'm all about the tangent. The, about, about some of the stuff I'm not known mm-hmm. for, but I like to write. Good. I forgot. But anyway, if that's my sword to bear, my cross to burn, whatever, <laughs> the fucking I'll own it. Yeah. I love that that's what became. Then I had two kids of my own. And uh, I'm a great dad to this day, and I also, you know, take pride in that I still have relationships with a lot of the kids I've worked with over the years who are now adults and flourishing that we still talk. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of the young kids that I worked with recently on Girl Meets World who are now on other shows, still friends with their family and stuff. There, there needs to, honestly, there's family shows everywhere, you know, with all the streamers. I mean, everyone's got it. And sometimes the product is kick-ass and it's amazing and the right people are doing it. And sometimes the product falls short because the wrong people are doing it. But, boy, they got a nice resume. So so let me ask you that uh-huh. in, in transition to that. Being that you come from that world, that half-hour world, if somebody – because right now you're developing your own stuff and whatever. Right. Are you, are you in that state now and not even considering running another show if somebody offered you? Or are you at a state where – where I really want to have my own show or my, or my own movie or what, where are you at now? Um, I absolutely, if the show's the right show, mm-hmm. I, I would run a, a, another kid's show. The stuff that I'm trying, that I'm developing now, uh, I've got three projects with some really cool people attached and we're just mm-hmm. at the various stages of taking them out. They're, they're family shows, YA okay. shows, but they're a little edgier. They're single okay. camera shows. I mean, okay. I have one show that I absolutely adore called Beans Finnegan and the Circus of Life. <laughs> Love that title. That's it's, it's set in the 50s. It's a single camera film show. And remember how when you were a kid or a lot of kids or maybe just me but it was mm-hmm. all you get in trouble from your parents and they're like, you know, go to your room. Mm-hmm. And I go, I don't need this shit. Oh yeah, what are you going to do? I'm going to run away and join the circus. Mm-hmm. And then that was always in my head for fucking years and years and years. And then recently I started thinking, what about kids who grew up in the circus? What do they? Where do they run to? Interesting. So Beans Finnegan and the Circus of Life. Beans is the great grandson of this uh, old time Barnum wannabe. Mm-hmm. He has one of the oldest, most fucking backwoods traveling circuses <laughs> that basically goes from town to town looking for you know an empty parking lot of an old bankrupt boy. Right, right. I mean that kind of mm-hmm. shit, and complete with the sideshow tent. Mm-hmm. With the human oddities. Mm-hmm. And so Beans Finnegan, Beans is the circus uh, ringmaster. He's called Beans because he opens every show. He could juggle 30 beans at once. <laughs> That's kind of his little trick. And uh, people love him. It's always a showstopper. Anyway, in the opening of the pilot, there's this huge fire uh, based on an actual event in 1932, the Barnum Tent. The big top went up in flames in Connecticut because okay. the sealant they use to keep the rain out they didn't know about the oh, flammable. flammable. Yeah, interesting. A lot of lives lost. <laughs> it was a horrible tragedy. Anyway, we, we opened with this spectacular, you know, fire, and uh, the human oddities are off in their tent. That's one of the first tents to go down, and it's mm. chaos, and Beans is looking for them, and his grandfather and great-grandfather are yelling, you know, save the animals, save the animals. He goes, my friends, my friends. 
we'll find human freaks anywhere. Get the animals. Huh. And he's like, what the fuck? And he, he basically saves his friends, these kids. And he pulls them out. We basically have a, a, a wolf boy, you know, the young teenager mm-hmm. with hypertrichosis. We have the world's tallest teenage girl. We have two conjoint twins back then, Siamese, because mm-hmm. right. no PC. Siamese twins who are really fun, Ed and Ned, who basically... One is a goody-goody, Bible-toting, scripture-quoting, milk-drinking, mm-hmm. you know, like howdy-doody type character, and is mm-hmm. attached to him as his badass greaser brother. It's kind of like Richie Cunningham Hello. attached to Fonzie. <laughs> anyway, we have all these human oddities, and the circus people are loading up the train to hightail out, and the flange out, and Beans rallies the friends and said, look, I know my whole life I, I have these dreams simple dreams but I have dreams I, I want to go to a school a regular school I want a girlfriend I want to play football I want to get a hug after the game mm-hmm. that's what I want there's more to life than that. But, but the circus is our family it's not a real family you're wrong and, and one by one all these human oddities you know these kids start talking about their dreams mm-hmm. and they decide they let the train go and they go walking into the woods in mm-hmm. search of something better sure. the next morning they come out and uh, they see a light between the trees, it's morning, they go, they follow, they're on the road, and they come to a sign that says, welcome to normal, normal Missouri. <laughs> and he goes, <clears throat> it says, yeah, welcome to normal, population 45,300. Mm. And he goes, I think we're home. This is all we've ever wanted. Mm. And ultimately, the show is about these kids who run away from the circus to a small town in search of normal, in search of acceptance. It's actually the ultimate metaphor for all the kids at home struggling. I don't want to go to school today because they called me fat, or I don't want to go to school today because they called me pizza face, or all these kids that have these these things that they, or, or kids with more serious things, you know, um, whatever, you know. Uh, it's an underdog story. I love it. It is. I love and, it. And so they actually end up, uh, so they're in search of normalcy, acceptance, mm-hmm. all this, and they actually the ultimate underdog. They uh, they they're tired and hungry from walking all night, mm-hmm. and they see the house, and they're still circus kids. So they break into this house. Neighbor sees them, calls the cops. The cops come, then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, this woman shows up, mm-hmm. and she's you know a little different. She's very tall, six feet. She's cool. Anyway, it turns out her her name's Jillian. And she, it's the 50s, and she, she's a closet lesbian because it's the 50s. Okay, right. And she's also the teacher at the high school. But she's got a Robin Williams vibe from the Poet Society. And parents love her in the town. Because the kids love her. Of course, they don't know she's gay. Right. Um, but she sees something in these kids because she knows what it's like to be looked at as different. So she... Um, she tells the cops, no, they weren't breaking into my house. It's my fault. I was supposed to leave the key under the mat, right. and I forgot to. I fucked up. They're fine. That's cute. Cops go away. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so she saves the kids from the cops and says, look, you guys can stay here. I've got this big-ass house, which she inherited from, from her parents, and uh, but you got to enroll in school. Mm-hmm. So they go, Okay. And so they live with her. They go to the school. The first day of school, school's worse than the fucking circus. <laughs> kids are horrible. They kids are horrible. They all dude, horrible. They are the worst. In fact, so <laughs> one of the like the B or C story in the pilot is there's uh, so I, I got the circus kids and I got the normals and then the adults, the adult normals who are throughout the series trying to drive them out of town. But anyway, the kids, you know, you have your 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 like. Jock and the girlfriend, mm-hmm. cheerleader, archetypes, they, whatever. Exactly, and they 
break up once a day, these two. And they want, they're, they're totally freaked out by the kids who are a threat. And so the girl, the girl, Missy, um, goes up to the Siamese, the conjoint twins, and, 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 and asks the goody goody out, you know, let's go out tonight, let's hang out. You know, I broke up my boy, he's such a dip, but you're awesome. Mm-hmm. And, um, He's like really nervous. I don't know, but meanwhile, the badass brothers. Of course, go, go for it. Come on, we'll have a great time. I'm coming too. Of course, I'm coming. I have to. You know, <laughs> all this shit. Anyway, they go out and they're at the mall shop and it's fifties and you know Everly Brothers playing and all this shit and and you know they're there and she starts flirting with this guy who's never been kissed before and she's getting really really into him and she starts leaning forward for a kiss and he's you know the brothers egging him on. Come on, <laughs> come on, come on, and. Just as lips are about to touch, she's like, as if, and then all the jocks and all the cheerleaders pop up. Mm. It was just a horrible prank. And all of a sudden, not the one she did it to, but the brother, the badass, starts crying. Mm. And uh, she's like, I don't understand. She's like, this makes no sense to me. I was mean to you. I played this horrible joke on you, but but, but why is he crying? Mm. And he goes, one heart. (laughs) So you get a nice little moment. But anyway... um, it's ultimately, you know, the show is, I like to say in the pitch, the show is freaks and geeks mm. with real freaks. Mm. Mm. I'm and, digging it. And I'm digging it's, it. So that's one I'm going out. When, when do we start? When do we start? I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, it's it's one of my favorite shows. Yeah. And uh, I'm blessed to have uh, Andy Fickman is a director who's done a lot of stuff. And he's a big circus guy. Oh, and it's okay. so funny because I went in to pitch him. And I've known Andy for a few years. And he's, he does a ton of movies, ton of TV shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he got the rock started. He did all the rock's early movies right. as a director. He did uh, Game Plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget the others. The Rock yeah. But all these movies. Escape to the mm-hmm. Trend, he did. And, all these. and so I'm sitting there. I pitch him. And he just smiles. He goes, done. If you want me. He goes, I'm I'm attached and I go great I would love it he goes turn around and I turn around he's got this giant wall to wall bookshelf and right behind me are about a dozen circus books really he goes I'm a circus file another good file he goes I love circus so anyway that was a great pitch that was awesome that's one of them I can't believe I just on an open air podcast just like here's the deal here's what we always talk about here's what we always talk about because people are going, oh my God, I gave that away. I'm like, it's all about nobody can do it like you do with that. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. They could go, oh, that's a great idea. They would never be able to write it the and, way and you do it. truth is, I'm not worried. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but that's one of my, you know, right. like that's a passion project. So, I'm, you know, to answer your question, I'm known for family shows, mm-hmm. but how can I get a little darker, a little edgier, yeah. do something yeah, yeah, we haven't yeah, seen before? It also has a vibe, there's a movie in fucking loved years ago called Big Fish oh we love Big Fish yeah, John August and yeah. Yeah. so it's got kind of you know the, all the circus scenes mm-hmm. in there and Danny DeVito and, and all that so I just I wanted to you know originally it's, it's interesting originally the show was set in present time okay. and I kept they kept bugging me because I couldn't with all the you know our PC and our forward thinking and the way we're were all inclusive. I felt that I couldn't be honest hmm. to the kids being dickheads to these. Oh yeah, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today, today, right. Yeah. So if yeah. I went back in time, these freaks. It's just like a person of color walking into right. the life of these townspeople. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because exactly. they only know their own skin. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I felt that the show would be authentic if I said it in the 50s, mm-hmm. that, you know, these kids are just an extension of another, you know, I'm not comparing them to any mm-hmm. minorities, but they are, in fact, a minority. Yeah. They're disfigured mm-hmm. oddities. So I, I felt I can be more honest and tell the stories I want to tell if I said it back in time. Plus the music would be kick-ass. Right. Our goal is to take great 50s classics and then have like somebody like fucking Bruno Mars record oh, walk around the clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just have really dope contemporary artists do that's cool. that's 50s songs. That's so, so we start going... So that's half the budget. Yeah, uh, oh shit. <laughs> Trust me. No, 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 no. Isn't it fun to spend money before anybody can? Which we get to agree to. They're like, we could do one a season. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Uh, but that, listen, I know, love it. I think it's a great yeah, idea. So, so, you know, stuff like that. And then I have another show called Mickey Fabulous, about mm-hmm. a young uh, uh, female teenage Jamaican boxer right. who, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's the one you were telling me. I want to tell you. Yes. So, so, okay. This, so, you got to dig this. This, this you is kind of cool. So, I'm watching Netflix because mm-hmm. that's what you do. And they had this series on, this kind of docu style series called Losers. Mm-hmm. Did you see it? Did you catch it? So, it's basically a series taking these athletes and showing their rise and fall and hearing their life story. Mm-hmm. And there's <laughs> this, this cat on named Michael Bent. And I knew his name because I'm, I'm a boxing fan. I still I work on <laughs> YouTube. Oh, okay. yeah. That's where we, we get together and yeah. watch, we watch the fights. So I, I, yeah. I, uh, I MMA, out, all that. Yeah, so I work out at Churchill Boxing. Mm-hmm. Peter Berg, the director, mm-hmm. owns Churchill Boxing with a couple of partners, and they manage three world champions now. Wow, interesting. And, uh, so I go there five days a week okay. and, and uh, haven't sparred yet. Uh, get the bag. I'm really good on the back. He's like, I can jab though. Look. Yeah. So I, I need this feedback. So I've always loved boxing, man. Right. You know, I grew up on Sugar Ray Leonard oh, yeah. and that shit. Mm-hmm. Just going fuck. In fact, I grew up in Montreal and we had the games in '76. He mm-hmm. the games. So me and my brother would go to events every day. Okay. The U.S. boxing team that year, and I went five days in a row to see mm-hmm. boxing. Sugar Ray Leonard, wow. uh, Michael Spinks, Leon Spinks. Um, Leo Randolph it was wow. like all these it was like the crazy crazy year anyway so I'm watching Michael Bent and I knew the name he, he beat Tommy Morrison for the heavyweight championship in the mm-hmm. 90s and uh, and I'm watching his story and he's this Jamaican dude with crazy crazy Jamaican parents mm-hmm. his dad was abusive beat him up like a TV antenna and basically forced him into boxing he didn't really love it but he also knew that if he succeeded in it, his father would maybe give him a break and mm-hmm. not be such a dick to him. And it was really cool that the piece was presented in a really good and resonant way. Michael Mann, who actually, Michael Bent went on and did some acting stuff. So he played Sonny Liston in mm-hmm. Will Smith's um, Ali. Right. Yeah. So Michael Mann directed that, I believe, right? I think it was Michael Mann. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so Michael Mann was... Uh, was being interviewed and then also uh, Ron Shelton and uh, just all these really cool people and I thought the story's amazing and again you know we talk about our business without agents Mm -hmm. and in this day and age man and that's what I want young writers to know 
everything's at your fingertips. Right. You 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 got access to the right. world. When I came out here, man, we did. You know, when we saw an executive at the Palm. We were like afraid. We ran the other way. He had that big ass director he had Exactly. So, so I just reached out to Michael Bent on on Twitter and I said, "Hey, hey, man, you know, DM me. I want to talk about yeah. your life." And and so he checked me out and saw I was real and, mm-hmm. and we met. I said, "I want to do your life story as a TV show." And he said, I'm going to be in L.A. in a couple of weeks. He moves in the ATL. Right. I, you know, why did I just say the ATL? Because you're cool like that. I'm, I'm like that. <laughs> you got so kids who are cool. Exactly. That's so, it. That's what I You keep forgetting. I, I just hear my kids talk. <laughs> it just, and that's when I laugh, too, with the, you know, the age thing. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's the, oh, Mark is 59. Can he write kids? Right. I can write kids better than That's him. why you can write kids. Exactly. exactly. Anyway, <clears> so... We sit down, and on the way to lunch, mm. I had the epiphany. So I sit down with Michael, and we totally click. Mm. We had friends in common, and, and we were close to the same age. And mm-hmm. It was just a really cool, you know, almost like a brotherhood vibe mm. building. And I said, so here's the deal. I said, like I told you, I want to do your life story as a TV series. He goes, yeah, that's why I'm sitting here, man. I mm. think you can do it. I said, but I want to put it on a teenage girl. <laughs> and he's like wait what <laughs> he goes take a good look I'm not a teenage I go I know you're not a teenage girl I go but here's the deal I go female empowerment is a real fucking right. thing it's current. and all these young teenage girls that I see on TV it's the same bullshit Disney puts out mm-hmm. we aspire to be models or singers mm-hmm. or actors or songwriters or that's our aspiration mm-hmm. no I want to create a teenage badass from crazy Jamaican parents like mm-hmm. yours and um, you know she's just got this gift and she's going to during the course of the series try out for the US Olympic team make it have all these offers because now when you go to Peterburg's gym Churchill Boxing man it is filled with chicks doing their thing yeah. and they are badass mm-hmm. as hell and so I went, well, what, what do we well, I mean yeah. when, we, when we watch the fights like the UFC stuff the women are who go in the most. Yeah. So we're always like, ooh, the women's next. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, they like are serious. <laughs> they don't play. Are, but <laughs> I feel like there's there's another level of like something to prove for mm-hmm. women do it. And maybe it's just to prove it to themselves. You know, ultimately, I think there's some to that. But, you know, for me, to still do a, a, a YA show, coming of age show, mm-hmm. boxing is the perfect metaphor for this right. girl because, you know, she's entering high school, she's got her friends who don't know jack shit about boxing mm-hmm. and going through their own shit. But life fucking knocks the shit out of you. Right. Yeah. And you best get up. Right. Or it's over. Yeah. And it's a knockout. Mm-hmm. And you don't get to fight another day. So for me, it was the perfect metaphor to create this amazing girl who... Uh, you know, there's other elements to it. So she's she's so good because her older brother uh, was the best thing to come out of Florida. That's where the show set since mm-hmm. Roy Jones Jr. Okay. And he was mysteriously killed in a motorcycle accident shortly after his first fight, which he won. That'll be part of, the, of a mystery ongoing in the series. We'll, we'll so that's, haunt, that's haunting her. For, haunting yeah. her. He shows up as a ghost mm-hmm. that, you know, in the, in the corner. I like you know, that. Yeah. fights inspiration but that's why she's so badass because she used to run with him mm-hmm. she used to you know hit the bags with him all that shit 
Um, and then I've got a really cool relationship. All these boxing flicks, they do the same, that cliche, the old grizzled right. trainer. <laughs> Clint Eastwood in Million Dollar Baby. And, right. You know, Burt Young and Rocky and all that shit. And, and so, again, at the gym where I work out, there's this actor, this Irish actor named Barry Keegan. You would know him by face. He's in Dunkirk, all this shit. And he also used to box amateur in Dublin. And he's got this thick thing. And I just went, that's the trainer. Let me find somebody that's more of a peer to her, even though older, but more mm-hmm. of a peer that she can relate to. Let the life lessons come from this dude. So I created this guy from Dublin who becomes her mentor and trainer. And, you know, he just has his own shit. Like, he left. He can't fight professionally. We find out his hidden secrets are he failed drug test after drug test after fights. <laughs> and the reason why is because he had a social anxiety. He had just an anxiety disorder in mm-hmm. general. So he'd smoke weed before a fight to relax. So now he's at the gym working out and helping people, but he doesn't want to fight professionally because he knows he's going to use weed. He'd rather be sober. And then it's really cool. I got the gym owned by this, the old crusty guy who owns the gym. This mm-hmm. is old Italian dude who's... My mom has macular degeneration. She's 85, 90% blind. She can't see shit. Mm-hmm. So I, I gave this guy that. But what's really cool is he can tell who's ever hitting the speed bag by the sound. Uh, so he lines up. She can't believe it. He lines up four, you know, girls and guys. Says, any order. And they look, they'll go one at a time, hit the speed bag. He says who it is each time. And... Basically, that's yeah. That's, that's and then she ends up walking away and doing her own <clears> thing. <throat> you know, at the end, she wins the gold medal for the U.S. team. There's conflict with her father, who's, you know, a very proud Jamaican man who only wants to impress his parents back in Jamaica and his friends. And so he actually, you know, during the course of the series, he signs her up. He offers her up to the Jamaican Olympic team. Mm. So there's conflict there. She's like, no, I was born here and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And she ends up not going pro, not going back to school, we find it at the end of the end of the end. So I do have the end of the show. I don't mm-hmm. have all the between in between. But like much like Ali, she takes that medal and she throws it into a body of water. Because mm-hmm. Ali was, you know, her hero through mm-hmm. her brother. She looked up Ali and would watch Ali on YouTube all the time. He simply is the greatest. Anyway, in the last image of her is she she, you know, her kid her friends are, you know, senior year of high school and they drop her off at the airport and she hits a plane and we see her at the end of the end just walking into a poor, poor area, Kingston, Jamaica, mm. and just teaching a bunch of kids wow. how to box. Well, well, back in trench town, getting it. <laughs> that's her truth. That's nice. So boxing, so it's called Mickey Fabulous. Her name's Mickey. She's called Mickey Fabulous because in the ring she's simply fabulous. That's true. But boxing allows this chick to be her most fabulous self. What, so, I, what I like yeah. about that the most and um, uh, we're doing this project right now, me and my producing partner uh, for um, Revelations. And there was talk about this kind of Hollywood ending, and we convinced them not to do it. <clears throat> and, and because, you know, it's about these kids at this program, we wanted to see somebody succeed, and blah, blah, blah. like, no. It's not about succeeding and becoming the executive of such and such company. It's about succeeding, and now you can fully take care of your kids now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's simple. It's a lot more, well, you it's know more what the real. Ultimate, but you know what, you're 100% right, but you know what the ultimate success is? It's an individual realizing their truth. Mm-hmm. And so to the end of what you're saying is we ingrain in our young generation that, oh, fuck, you're graduating high school. Right. You know what you want to study the next four years, right? right? You have your career path also. 
I don't raise my kids that way at all, man. There's no clock. There's no clock to life. And that's what this ending ultimately is for her. Mm-hmm. Her fabulous self is working with a bunch of kids and putting smiles on their faces and teaching them boxing because her child had had no smiles. Mm-hmm. She's still a child. Right. You know, at the end of the series, she's 20. Mm-hmm. Still a child, but she's bringing smiles. The smiles she never had, mm-hmm. that's her truth. So, yeah, to that end, man, it's like, Happy ending? No, right. happy ending is whatever we decide that happy mm-hmm. ending is. Some may go, oh, fuck. It's man. her happy ending. It's her happy ending. Yeah, true. You know, I, like I, I always yeah. say there was this, there was, um, Lizzie Duran, the producer, she was like, you don't need a happy ending, what you need is a just ending. Mm. I exactly. think that people, mm-hmm. too many people are kind of caught up in the, the happiness. Yeah. And I remember that Lindsay would she always point to the movie Rocky. Mm-hmm. Just saying, you know, the Rocky. You think in the first one that he wins the fight, but he loses the fight. It's That's right. He, he went all I mean, around. Yeah, you forget that. You but forget it's the that. ultimate victory. Yes. He thing. went the distance. You know, yeah. she, she also mentioned, like in um, you think, in Dirty Dancing, you think the final in your head you might remember the final moment is when Swayze and and the mm-hmm. girl they dance. dance. But That's not the final. The final moment is when she runs out. And reconciles with her dad, right? Because right. that's what she needed, right. you know. That's the just ending. Mm-hmm. You know? It wouldn't matter if she had won the dance thing, and then the father daughters there was no appeal. That's yeah. I mean, that's not that doesn't yeah. So yeah, you're right. You don't have to be happy. As, as long as you some people on the emotional truth of what that character is, that works. The, I mean, works. one of the last, one of the early scenes in that last, last, last episode, or the episode second to last, whatever, I don't mm-hmm. know exactly how, but, you know, Dad has a bunch of friends over, and, you know, drunk, he's one of those characters, he's uh, intolerable when sober, but kind of a happy rum and coke dude, <laughs> and uh, he goes up and wakes up his daughter, Mickey, and says, bring the medal downstairs. He wants her to parade the medal for all the friends and that's when it clicks and that's when later that night she goes for a jog ends up throwing the medal away Mm. and knows what her path is that's a great reason too this is not because some white man did something to her because she's like fuck white people or whatever it's like (laughs) you know it's personal my pops yeah it's interesting I like that my pops you know the whole thing was you know it wasn't about me it was about me me being successful for him Mm -hmm. so but so those are Two shows that I'm. I'm uh, That's the, uh, clearly an hour long show. No, it's a half hour. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of half hour dramas. Half now. hour dramedy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, there's there's a the tone is there's a show that I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may mention this to you the night we met on uh, Netflix called All My Block. Yes. Yes. So it's kind of that yes. tone. I really think that show is awesome. Yes. I, I I love it because what's so cool about that show is the four leads. Put that down. Man. Yeah, the four mm. leads are like they're fun and funny and they're a little lighter, more mm. levity to their vibe and all that, but the world around them mm. is as badass and as real mm. and as street. I mean, they've got, you know, the cousins and the brothers mm. who are in gangs, they show that shit real. Yeah. And that's kind of how I envision this, that there'll be some levity from the other characters, yeah. but the world around is real and, and boxing. And the, the mom, who's a you know, Pentecostal churchgoer, you know, on fire for Jesus. That's how I grew up. And, and, yeah, <laughs> totally if you don't have the same fire, mm-hmm. then I gotta admit, I got a little judgment towards you, Mickey. Mm-hmm. You know, that's because 
Jesus is the way. Mm-hmm. She believes, you know, especially after losing <laughs> her son to a death who was a boxer, that the devil lives in boxing. So mm-hmm. she doesn't, you know, reconcile well with her daughter being in boxing and shit. But it's just, so the shit around Mickey is just very real. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny, and, and, and we might as well, well, well hit it, is that, you know, um, people are going to say, wait, Mark Blotman, how, how the fuck can you bring us a show <laughs> about a Jamaican family? Right? Like, how can I do this? How can I mean, no. Wait, wait, no, no, no. Go ahead, go ahead. I've already we, we have our theories, too. Well, I've already been told, yes. you know, it's that bullshit. I need to partner up. Go ahead. I, I, I've been told I need to partner up mm-hmm. with a woman of color for this particular show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't say no to it. I'm mm-hmm. not fighting it. But the perception is that, you know, how am I going to... And to that end, and I, I may have told you this, so like originally, you know, I said this to Michael, so originally as I was laying out the pilot, because I wanted to establish the dead brother, originally we were going to open the show at the funeral. Mm. And I just went, nah, man, this is just too fucking it's too heavy. dark, it's right. too heavy, but I want to get it across. And then I started doing my shit, mm. this is a good, responsible writer does, and I wrote this. He means his research. <laughs> shit. You call it research. research. Shit. Sorry, I'm a shit. And I, I realized in the Jamaican culture, I learned this. Mm-hmm. They have what's called a nine night. That's it. That's what that's we it. talked about. Yes. Right? Yes. So the nine night is the. You night. know, I stole that shit. That's so that's just badass. Did you really? Good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, this was amazing. That's awesome. That's so amazing. anyway. On the ninth night after somebody's death, you throw a party to bid adieu to the spirit. Otherwise, the spirit will stay and cause shit. And so I've got this crazy ass, what you think is a block party, friends of Mickey showing up with weed thinking like, it's a celebration party place. And then we find out, you know, we see on the table, there's a picture of the brother and all these candles and shit. People are crying and the friends are going, what kind of fucking party is this? People are crying. <laughs> it's not a party. It's a nine night. We're saying goodbye to my brother's spirit. And the friends are like, aren't you going to go over and say goodbye? And she's like, with a wry smile, why would I ever say goodbye to Darby? Mm. Which sets up the fact that he can come back and talk to her. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, that's dope. That's dope. She never said goodbye. And That's so, why you do your research. So, because you so find the discover find shit, yes. We, Don't know, just start with fade in, bitch. There's, there's research. No, <laughs> <laughs> there's no fade in means you're ready. There's always a piece that you need to know that you want to know that you gotta. Um, so I was a little teacher. Right, here's a funny, here's a funny thing. We were we were we were working on on Pamela and I were here on Friday. We were working on this project, and we had to turn it in on Tuesday, and. We, they gave us, they were like, well, can you change this character to a woman? And we were like, oh, my God, that totally throws us with a lot of things, right? So we literally, we would have her there, but we didn't give her any agency whatsoever. So then all of a sudden we were talking. I said, you know, we need to get back to this character. Right? She's like, well, what can we do? And, I was, and she said, oh, what if at that scene at the courthouse we did this one thing where instead of this character, she actually is the one who actually saves the day and does blah, blah, blah. And I went, 
oh. And then we went, oh, then we put her here, then we put her here, then we put her, and we're like, oh, this is who she is. Right. Like that. Yeah. It happened like that. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we were all excited about her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny how that just twitches right back yeah. on. Now she's like a big part of the whole thing. Before, we were like, she's there. We're not really sure. We'll discover when we write the script. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, but again, like you said, you know, like, before, there's so much writing there before you write the script. That's doing the right. That's figuring out like how these things work. So, like my thing on that, Chris, is you know they can bring in line up twenty women Mm -hmm. of color, Mm -hmm. and maybe none of them know what the fucking nine night is. I'd say most, right? So, so I get it, but I also know, like, if I sat down to write a, a, a movie or a TV show mm-hmm. about an Asian family, mm-hmm. by page two I'm tapping out. I go, I can't do this. But I know I can write a black family. Mm-hmm. I know I can because it's in my heart. Right. It's, I, you know, now, have I walked in the shoes? No. But well, I've been well, next well, to well, people. Well, my thing, but my or, thing is, you to know, me is, I'm listening to you, and I'm like, if, if I'm in the other side, I'm like, okay. So you're the one who tracked down Michael Beck. Right. And you're the one who, like Paul. Yeah. Who, who, who talked him up to feed his life mm-hmm. story. I mean, yes, he did that show, but it's like, but even the show is edited, you know, to, to a certain mm-hmm. thing. There's so many things in his life that, he's, that he has to be able to tell you to make you feel comfortable enough to say, okay, I got your story, and here's how we make it work this way. And it's like, that to me is what you need as opposed to saying, I'm just trying to check a box right now mm-hmm. because I gotta have it's a show's about X and Y and since the creator's not X and Y, I can have X and Y as part of this or otherwise it's gonna look bad. Who's gonna look bad too? Here's the deal, here's the deal, Mark. We we talked about this a little bit that night. We only talked for a few minutes, you know, we didn't really get to really right. go in. Right, right, right. Here's our thought as black writers. We have no fucking problem with a white writer writing a black character or black stories. It's all about the nuance. You just hit a big mark on one nuance nobody else would have. The nine-nine. Who would have fucking known anything about that? That is tapping you deeper into the world that when folks from Jamaica watch the show, they'll be like, who the fuck wrote that? They know something that we know. You know what I mean? Nuance. Nuance. That's what's usually missing. When people say, oh, I didn't buy that because we wouldn't have done blah, 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 blah. It's because something is missing in the nuance. You know what I mean? If you do your research, you interview people, you study, you go to the place, whatever, you learn what's what. So to that end, well, I'm just going to say to that end, so like, you know, the mom, I've got her, uh, no matter what kind of shit is going on with her and her husband is total dysfunctional shit. And by the middle of season one, they do split and they end up becoming a better family as a split family. But anyway, you know, in the character descriptions, some of the nuance about her is that regardless of how difficult it is to keep the family together, she always finds the time to a watch her general hospital recordings and two have bread pudding, fresh bread pudding on right. the table for right. her family. Now, I had a Jamaican nanny growing mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. That was her shit, man. Right. That was personal. So mm-hmm. she'd have... But see, that right there right. again is... You I, used it. You I, used I, it. No, 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 no. I had a Jamaican nanny growing up. Mm-hmm. 
people. That's where you start, see, by the way. Right. When you right. Pitch. Because, right. Yeah. right. <laughs> because people don't realize how important that character is. Sorry, that person is in your life. You know, a lot of people probably didn't have nannies. Mm-hmm. If you have a nanny and it's not of your same uh, uh, culture, right? Yeah, yeah, your same culture. They're giving you stuff about their life mm-hmm. that is, you know, is feeding into you in such a, such a, it's, it's a, it's a mainline type of like feeling you're making. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because you meet, because sometimes you meet people, I've met people out here who had nannies who mm-hmm. were like, um, who were Latino. Mm-hmm. And therefore, that's why they speak Spanish now. Correct. Because they, can, because they pick it up as a kid. Correct. And it's like... And now you want your nanny to talk to your kids so that they can speak both. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, that to me is the the, the, the factor of like, this is why it's, I want you. Because if I just get a writer of color who's a woman... Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean anything. That means, that means nothing. And you, right. na- you nailed it, though. Yeah. Would they know about this? Would they, are they familiar with Jamaican right. culture? Like, all that stuff. Right. And there's some. I'm sure we'll find them. For sure. But yeah. But yeah. I, I'm okay with the reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I believe in so many parts of inclusivity, but what I struggle with is inclusivity at the expense of. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Sometimes inclusivity gets in the way of something of value that we then cast aside. Correct. So in other words, on this, they may, some, somebody may say, we're buying this, mm-hmm. but we want somebody else to write it. They may, right? I well, know I could write the shit out of it. And you so, probably should if you haven't already. You should yeah. just fucking write it. Yeah. You know so, I, mean? so, I think I told you this story because okay. you just mm-hmm. led into it perfectly. Um, Angels with Dirty Faces. Remember we oh, had this yeah. conversation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know that gangster movie? Yeah. So, 1938. Jimmy Cagney, Pat O'Brien, Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> One of my favorite movies ever. Mm-hmm. You're going to love this story, Chris. This is a good story. 10, 12 years ago, on hiatus from a show, and I go, what the fuck do I want to write? And I had just watched Angels with Dirty Faces. Mm-hmm. And I went, what am I going to write? What am I going to write? And then shit hits you mm-hmm. in the head or the heart, and we don't know why. And that's right. what people don't understand about real writers. Agreed. You know, and that's what I wanted. That's why I said fucking two hours ago about it. There's a writer, look in the mirror, write your truth. Mm-hmm. Don't write something that you think somebody's going to buy. Right. They'll buy your shit if it's real and honest and bare and naked. Anyway, all of a sudden, what hits my heart is I want to write a modern, urban version of angels with dirty faces. <laughs> so one of my closest, Chris was like, when did we start? <laughs> well, I'm going to let you read it. For this, you produce yeah, it. Let's go, let's go. So here's the deal on it. So at the time, uh, my buddy was uh, managing, he, he's uh, one of the partners of Three Arts. And mm-hmm. So he had... I was the just time, there the other day. Yeah, Kuba Gooding and uh, Chris Rock at the time. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think Kuba's probably still with him. But anyway, I went, okay, this is perfect. Chris Rock's going to play, you know, Cagney and mm. Cooper Gooding's going to play the priest. So anyway, I write this script and it's, you know, remember how the kids, the dead end kids in the original looked up to Cagney. Yeah. So in this, I, I, I have it set in New York and Rucker Park. Oh, Rucker awesome. Park. So again, 
this white dude knows the shit. Mm-hmm. So Rucker Park, and this is where all the kids mm-hmm. hang out and play hoops, and yep. and this is you know, and then you got the stoners hanging out, and then I got the you know all this. So those were my kids. My dead end kids were these basketball kids that looked up to the Chris Rock character. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I write the thing, and I get into some heavy duty you know shit about you know some Cosby shit about you know the. the the responsibility of the black man to stay home and you know there's some heavy shit mm-hmm. but it was on my heart and I just mm-hmm. fucking I, I wrote scenes and cried mm. you know you're sitting there writing and you're fucking crying yes. and I, I you know I, I, I had the, the thug as a kid you know the Chris Rock characters you know being raised by a strong woman and he's a thug and he's getting in trouble and she, she's whipping his ass mm. and every time that belt hit his ass he'd go where my father at Mm. Just real powerful. Where my father at? Mm. Where my father at? That's all he kept saying, and it was, it was just. I love this fucking script. It's the best thing I ever wrote, and I handed it into CAA, <laughs> and it got amazing coverage. And my agent calls me up and goes, "Fucking score it through the roof." He goes, "Great, great job. Who'd you write it with?" <laughs> what he said to me. He goes, "Who did you write it?" With? <clears throat> and I said, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Mm. I, and I, it bothered me. I'm emotional now, yeah, right? Because it bothered me so much that this town is, we're looking right out at fucking Hollywood Hills and shit. Mm-hmm. The people that run this town don't understand us. No. Speak no. They don't understand Speak the truth. who we are, yes. what we are, what's inside us, what needs to come out of us. Mm. They don't fucking allow it because it doesn't check their boxes or check their perception of what. You know, we used to have execs on Girl Meets World say, oh, isn't it good? I made you hire these three girl female baby writers so they can run all the girl lines. Wow. And we're like, you think that's how this shit works? <laughs> Michael Jacobs, me, Jeff Manella, Matt Nelson, the four fucking EPs that have been with these characters for 20 years, we write all the shit. Mm-hmm. You think I only can write Males, like what? <laughs> but that's this town, right. and so. Well, I mean, look, you know, we said this earlier. It's just the business business people are so used to like what they learn in business school because I went to business school. They are so into kind of like they have to be able to quantify things. It, it's the whole thing about if you can't measure it, it doesn't it doesn't exist kind of thing. And right. It's like and it's, and it's for them. It doesn't make. It, I mean, it, it 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 defies their frame of reference, and it and it, and it confuses and, them. And, 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 exactly. and, and, and it really confuses it their ability to you know to to categorize it. Because right. things to be categorized. That's the thing about business. It's like you know, like everything's going to be categorized in a way so that we then can measure it. We mm-hmm. notice. What you know? What's this over yeah, time? If it doesn't fit on a spreadsheet, right. it doesn't make sense. Where are the metrics? Where are the <laughs> exactly. metrics? So, I mean, it's terrible because you know people want. I mean, people can write. You know, there's a there's a. I'm listening to a podcast now. It's called The Bittersweet Life. It's about this woman who who used to live in the states and she's uh and she lives and and she lives in Rome. She's talking about this book and I'm listening to it because it's a book that I, I want to read. The authors on it and. The the book is about it takes place during the during World War Two in Paris. The author is, a, is an American guy. It's about a blind French girl. Hmm. Okay, he's not blind. He's not French. He's not a girl, and he's not from that era. This is a best-selling novel. Is he wanted to write this story? Yeah. Because he was like, I need to do this, 
And it's like, you know, and you say to yourself, <clears throat> well, now perhaps, at a, you know, if he's telling this story at a dinner party, I'll be looking at it I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, right, <laughs> he's telling me. But if I read the book, I think I read your script, then believe what was on the page. Right. Believe he believed He believed what was on the page. Right. He just didn't believe it came from me. And that is where it's like... Was that a movie or a TV show, by the way? That's, that's a movie. Movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and, and, and it's like that is the disconnect that is hard because he can't imagine. He, he goes, you know what? All these guys do X, Y, and Z. I like, I, you know what I want to say? I might be wrong, but I want to say this. I, I, I know his name is uh, Tidyman. Tidyman. I want to say his name is like Ernest Tidyman. Huh. Uh, so I believe he's white. Oh, the guy who wrote the book. The guy who wrote the book who oh. wrote Shaft. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And, it's, and it's like, well, I might be wrong, but it's uh-huh. like... The, but the original Shaft or the, the new Shaft? The original Shaft, because uh-huh. it's a book before we became a movie. Right. And I was just like... You can write it if it's something that you understand. Mm-hmm. And, and, and understanding it is getting the nuance. And because. <clears throat> well, a lot of those black exploitation movies were white guys writing those movies exactly, too. So, exactly. Exactly. You know, you know they're, they're, they're lumped. And mm-hmm. you know what? It's like the movie coming out with uh, that Scott Alexander and Mary right? They wrote the. It's come out on Netflix. It's about Dolomite. Oh, yes. These two Jewish guys mm-hmm. who were in their mid 50s. Right. Writing the story about Dolomite. I saw a lot of shit on Twitter that they were getting in about that. You know, but, yes. but, but, but you know what? Um, Eddie Murphy's not going to sign on unless he knows That's what I said. That's exactly you know, what I said. Like, he's not going <clears> to <throat> sign on, and, and, and Chris Rock's going to sign on, and the talk, you know, Scott was telling me earlier that movie wasn't going to come out like earlier than my March edition. They, they did it last year. Mm-hmm. But Netflix saw it, they were like, no, it's Oscar worthy. It's Oscar worthy performances mm-hmm. and everything else. And it's like the two white guys wrote this. But yeah. it's like those guys, I mean, it's what, to, to get comic legends to say <laughs> this is what a comic legend was about and yeah. to agree on it, that's the value of like their ability to, to channel the material. Right. And it sounds like that you wrote, you just channeled the material. It was right. every you know, but you're a seasoned pro. I mean, just, there should yeah. be some respect in there somewhere. Yeah, right? but again, you know, I don't begrudge. The business, but I will comment on it honestly. Yeah, well, yeah, because you, you know what? So, 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 so you know, uh, we, gotta, we gotta let him go. So, yeah. So, um, um, <clears throat> uh, Bazaar was doing the the Dark Tower series, mm-hmm. and the Dark Tower series. He should now, or he was. He's back. He's okay. back. The, 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 I think probably done the, the, the pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's but in the second book, Dawn of the Three, there's a black woman who is right. critical mm-hmm. in the thing. And I'm like, and you know, when I'm reading the book, and I love the book, I'm like, Stephen King got this, got this. But Stephen he King, can't play with Stephen King. You know, Stephen King Stephen's is not the shit. He's my he's favorite writer. He's South, yeah. he, you know, and he's not a woman. And mm-hmm. he's like, but he wrote this woman named Odetta that was just like, fuck, man, like this, it just feels like this woman's sitting next to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a, I'm a real opponent. I was like, well, I mean, you do this shit. <laughs> and, and it's like, and I, and I, you know, and there's, and there's only, and, and I hadn't read a lot of Stephen King at that time, so I, so I, so I didn't know what else he's done. I know he did Shining, and I know you know he did Halloween and Stop Shining, but that's a different character. He's not this this woman from a from from a, her background. Mm-hmm. That's like a pain that's to deal with, like 
you know, the, the abuse of, it's just, it's very, it's, it's an interesting way to handle it. And I just was like, if you, Mark, have done this the right way, that's what matters. Yeah. That's, I mean, I am such a the, the opponent of, I'm such an opponent of, you've got to get the person of ethnicity or of the gender or something like that to do the story justice. That's just, see, because what that ultimately tells me is, is the audience member. Mm -hmm. I really can't understand the story unless I'm of that race and of that sexual orientation right. or of that gender. Right. And if, you know, so, so I mean, that, that's, 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 that's essentially what, mm -hmm. that's the next train of thought on that. Mm -hmm. You know, but you know what, I can watch a movie about, about women and love it. Yeah. I can watch a story of, of, about transgender people and love it. I mean, I was telling, I, I wanted to tell you a girl, uh, uh, Celia Gray, she said this about her. her oh, yeah, I gotta respond about to her. Her, her, her uh, log line. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is a movie I saw last year, it's called Girl. It's a really, really fucking fascinating French film. Uh, it's, it's Belgian. I said French. It's about this transgender girl who wants to be a ballerina. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and her parents are cool with that. Mm -hmm. It's the other people aren't cool with her wanting to be a ballerina. Right. And it's, it's a really fucking good movie. And, I was, and, it's, and, it, and, it, and it's a man who wrote it mm -hmm. and, and directed it, and they got a transgender actress. Really? Maybe they didn't get remember who they got to play them. I didn't look it up. That was part of the, the con controversy about it. But you watch the movie, and it's like you understand everything about what that person is going through. The family has accepted her, like, like that she was to, to transition. Right. She, the parents are paying for the transitional surgery. Is the outside world sure. is not, mm -hmm. and it's like, but that's not that guy's life. But he made it work, and mm -hmm. you're watching the movie, you're crying because of how emotionally intense it is, okay. and that's all that matters. Yeah, let us all tell the story that wants to come out, whatever that fucking right. story is. And and you know? I'll just say this last thing: we have another friend of ours who's always on our show, like every like couple months. Paul Gio, big producer, director, writer, and. He, too, is writing a movie, a black movie, The Black 22s, that nobody else came up with, by the way. Right. It's out there in the world, but he felt like you. He came across a story with all the passion in the world, did his fucking research. He did his shit, as we like to say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still in that. He did his shit, and it's fucking off the chain. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so... Don't let Hollywood fuck with you when you have an idea, when you have a, a, a passionate project. True that. And, and he, here's the thing. He, <clears throat> the, and Paul's issue is a similar is that he's struggling with how do I, this, this like the, the town, and there'll be that group on Twitter that'll shop shout at him too, are telling him no. And he's feeling that. But he got like David Lovio mm -hmm. interested to do all his material and he's and again, again is the actor's not gonna wanna do it if he feels it's false no. No. for sure you know David went with them to pitch the damn yeah, thing the trust me you, you putting your name on it yeah you putting your and name he's on it he's like I believe in this and I, and I believe in this because I believe what he did right what he put on the page yeah. no, I, 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 I hope you know that it's called Angels in the Hood mm -hmm. Uh, the script's in a drawer and needs to rewrite because I wrote it 12 years ago. Right. But uh, Warner Libraries has the original. That's what, and I got my lawyer looking into it because yeah. I know 
Are you yeah. trying to get it back? Is that what you're trying to do? Well, I want to make it, but okay. I want to get it made, but mm. I have to get the rights from Warner Library. Okay. Oh, so you wrote it for somebody? Oh, no, no, because it's no, a movie. They have, it's a movie. Oh, it's right, 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 right. Got it. I thought you were just taking that idea, but totally changing it. Yes, no, okay. the, the major story points are in there. The, you know, okay, got yeah, it. it's, it's close enough that I have to. Understood. Yeah, but it's, okay. you know, it's one of those things that. Uh, you just never know, man. Yeah, People sure. don't do anything with it, so, you know, you just got to pick it up. Let's just slide them $5 right quick. Let me see. Tell them the idea. I mean, they'll do it. Why would they do this? It's, exactly. It's, 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 it's just sitting there. It's, it's okay. IP that is not making them money. And yeah, 1938. Yeah. One, one of the things about the old libraries is that the people, again, this is the business people in it, don't appreciate the value of it outside of doesn't make them money. And, and I'm, I'm sure that, that, that they didn't put that on DVD because they were like, who's going to want to watch this and buy it? So, 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 so it's not restored and do DVD. <clears throat> you do it because, not because of that. You don't do it just because it's going to make money. You do it because it, it meant something to There's a story there yeah. that still is I mean, the whole, the whole yeah. thing with the dead-end kids, like the dead-end kids, like when that movie was like split off, it was like its own, like, like series of little films. It's like, yeah. you know, because they weren't doing movies about kids. It's just all this kind of stuff that's like came from that movie mm-hmm. but it's languishing because the current people regime is like what's that about it's black and white number one I'll send it to you guys I'll send it I'll send it. it well thanks man we appreciate this having you it's a blast man it's yeah, exactly man. what you said just a, it's a free form man it's, 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 it's I'm like, probably going to break this off into two parts uh, so that it's going to drop tomorrow and then it'll go the next week beautiful. and then we'll be back the following week doing some new shit for sure. Beautiful. Where are you on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever? Uh, I you? am uh, at Blutman Mark on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Mark Blutman on Instagram. Mark Blutman on Facebook. Okay. Awesome. That's it. I'll put the links in the show notes. Yeah, of course. This was fantastic. Thank you, you guys man. were awesome. And, uh, I appreciate it. I know, I know you got the kids today, but I appreciate you coming by and hanging Absolutely. with us. It was great. Awesome. Where are you at, Chris? Thanks so much. Uh, unauthorized CBD on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. And uh, you know what? <clears throat> I wanted to say something. Go ahead, really so, quick, really quick. I forgot real quick, but I found this booklet, um, and, the, and, and so the writers go published this maybe like 10 years ago. I haven't seen it in a long time. It's called From Freelance to Showrunner. Is that, is that Jeff's book? It's Jeff's book. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I used to have it. I gave it to one of the fucking yeah, young Jeff writers. Who's that? Jeff uh, Melbourne. Jeff Melbourne. Hey. It's this thing full of advice about like, what to do as a writer to navigate the whole process of the freelance project up to the showrunner. It's got stuff from like uh, like John Wells and, and everything like that. We need to turn it into a fucking PDF and put I, it on there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I made uh, 10 PDFs. Oh, did you? And they'll be available for the first 10 people who sign up for $25 awesome. a month Good. on the Patreon page. Cool. So if you want... Because you can't get a hold of it right now. You can't get a hold of it. No. And it's something that, it's something that they've been printed or put on the website. Probably like, I don't know, five, six, yeah. seven years. So uh, the Patreon is patreon.com slash... Uh, uh, it's in the show notes. It's, it's in the show notes. You know, check it out. Do that. You know, uh, p- people should just become members of the Patreon. <laughs> subscribe because we do this every week. Yes, we do. And we love doing it. And, we, and there's been, and, and I've done 200 episodes. You've mm-hmm. done 500. Whatever it is, it's a huge number. You know, um, Al- we, almost three. Almost three. Yeah. So people should be doing, you know, the Patreon. Page. Exactly. Love it if you were. You know, supporting this show. Yes, it takes, it's more than an hour, hour, two hours that we do 
Um, oh, yeah. I used to prepare this. And I am your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest. Follow the show, Screenwriters RR on Twitter. <clears throat> Any questions, ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, Facebook. You guys follow us on the Facebook page. Um, you already gave us our Patreon page. Lisa Bolacaja, you guys know where she is. Um, what was I going to say? So much shit going on. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Yeah, um, hopefully in the next few weeks we will figure out who the hell is our new regime over there at the Writers Guild. We'll yes, figure all that out. That's going to be fascinating. So make sure you guys, all you Writers Guild listeners out there all over vote, the world, vote, please vote. 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 <laughs> this election is super important. Exactly, for sure. Um, let me think anything else. Eh, that's about it. I'm going to let you go, Mark. Um, so with that, you guys know how we do it on the Rant Room. Everybody joining with me on this show. We keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? Wakanda forever. Peace, y'all. I'ma say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Rant Room. Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing and doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerds got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Red Room. Red room, red room.